0: Jesus, that's our prayer tonight. We've come into this room together because we long to be near you. We long to hear from you. And God, you know our hearts, you know our minds, you know the situations we face as we walk into this room. And so Jesus, we're thankful for these songs, we're thankful for these truths that we get to sing tonight, and we're thankful for your spirit that's here. And we pray that you continue to speak as we continue to listen to you and worship you here tonight. We love you, Jesus, and pray these things in your name. Amen. You guys can kind of take a step back and have a seat. Try not to sit on anyone as you do that. Good luck. Um, All right, how are we doing tonight, okay? Yeah, let's try that again. How are we doing tonight? Yeah, it's February, right? That's kind of hard. So we're going to pretend, like everyone close your eyes. It's like 75 degrees and sunny and we are feeling good, right? Can you feel it? Spring break is coming, I promise, okay? It's coming, it's coming. You just got to hang in there. Something else is coming soon. Another holiday on the calendar. Uh, Valentine's Day, it's coming, right? And maybe for you, that's good. Maybe for you, that's bad. Ben is clapping. He's happy that it's Valentine's Day. And in light of Valentine's Day, I thought I'd tell you a little story about a romance in my life. Is that cool? So when I was a freshman in college, um, I met this really cute guy one night when I was doing laundry in my dorm. And yeah, it's true. We became really good friends. And you know how it goes your freshman year. A few weeks later, we were dating. (laughs) And so... um, That lasted about three weeks, and then it was over. Uh, At least it was over for him. It wasn't so much over for me. And so as we got towards Christmas, um, you know, we were still hanging out all the time. I was still kind of digging him. It wasn't Ben, by the way, if you're wondering. Different (laughs) boy. Um, But he knew that I would tell you this story tonight. So as we get towards Christmas, I was really thinking, gosh, I would love to go visit him. He lived in Connecticut, and I lived here in Michigan. And so I started to kind of, like, say this to my parents. I kind of said this to him, um, said it to my parents a lot. Because in my mind, I thought, well, for sure, they could buy me a plane ticket and send me to Connecticut. And I could go hang out with Brett, and we would start dating again. It would be perfect, right? This was all in my mind. You guys know how that goes, right? So Christmas morning comes. We're unwrapping all our gifts. And I don't know how it goes for you guys, but in my house, all my life growing up, You open all your gifts, all the stuff that's kind of cool, and then you all pretend it's over. Like, oh, that was good. And then your parents go, oh, but wait. There's the secret hidden present, right? I don't know if you guys ever had that, but my brother and I would always know the big secret hidden present was coming. And in my mind, for sure, that secret hidden present was going to be a plane ticket to Connecticut, of course, right? We've been talking about it. I've been saying it over and over. It's all I wanted for Christmas was a chance to go visit this boy. And so we get to the moment of the secret hidden present, and I am told to, like, follow directions and find it hiding in the house somewhere. And guess what it was? It was a set of golf clubs. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so that was awesome. Yep, Chris is happy about that. Um, But I was not happy. In fact, I was extremely disappointed, very disappointed. This was not what I was hoping for. And my guess is, as you guys sit here tonight... Maybe some of you find yourselves a bit disappointed with something. We all have things that happen that disappoint us. Sometimes it's news that you didn't want to hear. Um, Sometimes it's working really hard to get into that program, and you work, and you work, and you work, and you don't get in. Maybe it's even failing an exam that you really needed to pass, and it didn't go so well. Or, like in my case, sometimes there's that special someone that you were pretty sure was the one until they decided that they weren't. Disappointment happens, and we've all faced different kinds of disappointments. And if you haven't, I hate to tell you, you will. It's coming, because life is hard, and sometimes things happen that disappoint us. But here's the good news. Jesus has some words for us tonight about how to prepare for that disappointment and where to stand when it happens. So listen to these words from Matthew chapter 7, words of Jesus, listen carefully because there will be a quiz at the end. Therefore, if anyone hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, he is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell with a great crash. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, here's the quiz. Are you ready? I'm going to do it again, except I'm going to pause and have you fill in the blanks. Some of you guys may remember me doing this before, so we'll see if you still know it. Okay, here we go. So fill in the words when I pause. Are you ready? Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall because its foundation was on the guys are doing great here's part two okay but anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the who built his house on the the rains came down the streams rose the winds blew and beat on this house and it fell with a great crash <laughs> that's funny this is the word of the lord Okay, when you hear these words, we all have a picture sort of of what this might mean. But what I want to do is take, take you with me for a moment to the land of Israel, to the land of the Bible, so we can understand briefly a little bit about what Jesus is talking about with this imagery. Okay, so the first, oh, I have the little clicker, so I can show you a picture. Let's see if it works. Helps if I turn it on. Yeah, there it is. Okay. This, in the land of Israel, is called a wadi. Everyone say wadi. Wadi is an Arabic word that simply means valley, okay? So this is actually a group of of people we are with hiking through a wadi in the desert. A wadi is an incredible, as you can see, beautiful place to hike. It's also incredibly hot because it's in the desert, and it's actually extremely dangerous. I'll tell you why in a minute. This is another wadi um, down near the Dead Sea, Okay, in the land of Israel. So let me explain how these big, huge crevices get made because it's really important to what Jesus is trying to tell us. Okay, so the the desert where you see these wadis is all the way down in the eastern portion of the land by the Dead Sea. But 4,000 feet in elevation different sits the city of Jerusalem. Up on the very tallest part of the land, we actually call it the watershed ridge because when water hits that tallest part, it has to go somewhere. And some of it flows down to the west to the Mediterranean Sea, and the rest of it flows down to the east and creates these crevices in the rocks all the way down to the Dead Sea. 4,000 feet in elevation difference, and that's how you get a wadi in the desert. So um, when that water is coming, say it's raining in Jerusalem... And that water starts to flow down, and we follow it down that 4,000 feet through the rock and the crevices in the wadi all the way to the Dead Sea. It brings with it all kinds of rocks and sand and silt that washes down from the hills and then lands in the bottom of the wadi when that, when that water washes away. So actually, this is what it looks like after the water goes through. What do you see in the bottom of that crevice? What does it look like? Can you tell? It's sand. And ironically, this is actually one of the only places in the land of Israel, in the land of the Bible, that you'll find sand. Because it's actually a very rocky, hard country. Some of you guys have walked it and can testify that that's true. But you find sand in the bottom of a wadi. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people like to hike in wadis because they're beautiful and amazing. But I told you they were really dangerous. The number one thing that kills people who are hiking in the desert. I used to think it was dehydration, right? Or overheating, heat stroke. It's actually flooding. Because here's what happens. When that water hits the watershed ridge in Jerusalem and it's raining, you don't know it when you're way down in the desert walking through the wadi. And that rain starts to come down that wadi, and it's not just a trickle. 4,000 feet in elevation, that water's moving. I've heard it said that it can be like a 70-foot wall of water that's just bursting through the wadi. This is a picture of that same wadi. So you're looking at it here dry. And this is what it looks like. That, that um, water is all flowing down, just vicious water, right down through there. In fact, I found an article today from a newspaper in Israel, and this is actually from the time when Ben and I lived there, this picture. Um, in 2007, there were four hikers that were walking through this wadi when this water came rushing down through from Jerusalem and just swept them away and took their lives. That water that comes to the wadi is no joke. So think back to Matthew 7 with me. When Jesus says, The wise man builds his house on the rock, and the foolish man builds his house on the... Where do you want to put your house? Not on the sand, right? Because your house is going to end up under all of this water and being swept away. This is the imagery Jesus is using. Build your house on the rock, up high, where the water's not going to sweep you away. So check this out. This is actually another wadi in the desert called Wadi Zohar, How many of you guys were in Wadi Zohar? Anyone? Yeah? All right, shameless plug. You too could come with me and Ben to Wadi Zohar next May. We'll talk about that later. Um, But we were there last May standing in this wadi. You can see kind of the sand and stuff down here where the water had gone through. But I want you to notice up here, this is a building that was built by the Romans 2,000 years ago. It was built not down in the wadi in the sand, but up on the rock as a fortress. And 2,000 years later, it still stands. The wise man builds his house on the rock. Here's the thing. When Jesus was teaching in Matthew 7 to the people, but also to us, he knew that the rain was going to come. He knew the rain would come down come down, and the streams would rise, and that water would come bursting through our lives. In whatever form the disappointment comes. And he wants us to be prepared to build our lives on the rock, to build our lives on Jesus, to build our lives on his word and his truth and our promises, so that when that water comes rushing through, you guys often unexpectedly We have a place to stand, and we will not fall. Build your life on the rock, is what Jesus is saying. So how about an example? What does this look like? I'm going to show you a few pictures. This is me and my friend Dana. Um, This picture was taken almost a year ago, actually, in this room, Uh, My friend Dana came to CPR a year ago. How many of you guys were here when that happened last year? Lots of you. That's awesome. Um, For those of you who don't, Dana is one of my very best friends. We've been friends actually since second grade. Um, And she is someone that God has used in my life profoundly to help me know what it means to build my life on the rock and to follow Jesus. Um, This is another picture of Dana and her family, her husband Jimmy, and her awesome kids Jamie, Charlie, and Scout. A little over a year ago, Dana was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and she came to CPR about a year ago and sat right here with me and talked about what it meant to her to build her life on the rock, um, kind of in the situation that she was facing, this disease that quite possibly might take her life. Um, And in fact, a couple weeks ago, on January 19th, uh, Dana went to be with Jesus, Um, But let me tell you this. About a week before that, I was at her house with her. And I actually remembered that when I was in Wadi Zohar, I had brought her a little um, container of the sand from that wadi. And so I brought it to her house that day. And even that day, we were talking about what it means to stand on the rock. Just a week before she would go to meet Jesus. Dana's whole life was about Jesus. She loved Jesus with everything she had. And her life was to shout his glory. And she did that, you guys. She did that till the end. And it was beautiful. I thought tonight it would be kind of cool for us to hear from her one more time about her thoughts about this idea. It means something a little more now. What does it mean to build your life on the rock and how do you do that? And let's just listen to Dana talk a little bit and then we'll uh, move on. And bravely, I think, especially because she's sitting here, right, talking about it, which is amazing. Um, but I know that I know you. I know you've chosen to build your life on Jesus and on the Rock. I want to know how that served you in the last couple months, and then maybe you can jump to a little bit of the looking back part, like how you built your life on the Rock. So, sort of how that's serving you now, and how you got there, and just kind of jumble that together.
1: Um, well, I grew up in a church, so I had a lot of scripture. Memorized back in my head, you know, the John 3.16s and the Jesus wept because it's always the just one to learn. <laughs> so I had a lot of that in my head. Side note is also that I'm a worship leader at a church and have been for maybe 18 years. So I also have a lot of worship songs in my head that I've chosen to make sure that they are truth kind of songs, you know. So when this all came, when my storm hit, there was a lot in there that had um, time to marinate a little bit. And there's verses that I knew that all of a sudden meant something different to me in, in this current storm. you know um, I mean the, I, I can't even think of one right off the top of my head, but so many verses where I would know, Psalm 23, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, in order for you to feel a shadow, you've got to be kind of close to that thing. Well, all of a sudden that verse means something totally different to me but I had it memorized, it was in there, it was tucked away, and so all these foundational things that I had been brought up with in my life become very personal, and they really mean something. Every song you sing, all of a sudden, is, has a different context. If you had that experience, too, where you're going through something, right, and all of a sudden, a song comes to life. i um, at my church last Sunday, we sang Oceans, and I had to just, no, tell you right now, I hate that song, <laughs> because I don't really wanna, if I'm honest, I don't wanna be called in deeper waters. Like, this is just fine, right? <laughs> but in the middle of singing that song last Sunday, there's a line in there that you may know that says, your grace abounds in deepest water. And to me, it was like God said, you're in some deep water right now, but my grace isn't going to just help you tread water. It's going to abound for you in what you're experiencing. So everything that you build into your life right now. Matters because later in life it's going to come back out, and it's going to go deeper, and it's going to go deeper and deeper. And so the experiences that I had and when I was in college, I, my husband and I had a time we were dating, and we, we broke up for a little while. It was a super hard thing that we went through, but I learned during that time to run to God and to pray and ask him, what do you want this relationship to look like? I did not do it perfectly, but it means that I, I was learning all along the way what it means to let God be the foundation builder even. You know, he's the foundation, but he's also the one building the foundation. He's also the one preparing my circumstances so that when I go through, I can look back and go, oh, okay, I know this situation. I may not know the exact trial, but I know what it's like to run to him. I know what it's like to say, God, what do you want this to look like? For me right now, that's what I get to say about cancer. What do you want this cancer to look like? I don't mean physically. Because I lost my hair. I'm sick a lot. So I don't mean look like that way. But what do you want it to look like in my life? What do you want me to look like as I reflect you during this time? And all that stuff comes back out in your foundation. Um, years from now, it could be tomorrow. I guess that's one thing that I would quickly say, though, too, is that even tonight as we're talking about this, um, you don't have to live in fear of the storms that are coming. Right? Because we know that, that Jesus said that there's, there's, there's no fear in him. Even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So you don't have to fear what's coming, but you do have to prepare for it.
0: That last line's been in my head all week. You don't have to fear the storms that are coming, but you do have to prepare for it. So, what does that mean? How do you build your foundation on the rock? I thought maybe one more example would be helpful. So, I actually have another really, really brave friend that's here tonight. Um, Dana's husband, Jimmy, agreed to come and let me interview him the same way I did with Dana. So, will you please welcome my friend, Jimmy Gretzinger? this is for you. Welcome. Thank you. Okay, just as kind of a side note, let's get this out of the way. Are there any hunters, fishermen, outdoorsmen, outdoorswomen, women in the room? Yes? Okay, in case you're wondering, is that really who I think it is? If you watch Michigan Out of this is Jimmy Gretzinger. He owns the show. He's on the show. You know, if you live in Michigan, he's kind of a big deal. I'm just saying. So, yeah. So. That's not true. Yeah, no, it is. He's a big deal. He's a big deal. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, we just want to say, again, this is kind of a crazy, weird thing. We don't really love that we have this reason to be up here in front of you. This is a hard thing to do. Um, but it's real life. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing to get to declare God's glory in the midst of this very difficult story. So I'm really thankful to Jimmy um, that he's here tonight and willing to share with you guys. Um, So I'm going to ask him some questions, and we'll see how this goes, right? So this past year has been a hard one, and I've got to watch you and Dana over and over um, stand on the rock of Jesus through some really, really hard things. Can you talk a little bit about that process for you of building your life on the rock over time, just sort of how that has played out
2: Yes Um, I think kind of telling a little bit of our story might help a little bit Uh, Stacy was uh, kind of alluded to it but yeah, about a year ago, a little over a year ago it was uh, December 28th after several months of trying to figure out what was kind of wrong with Dana she just was in pain and not sure. And so there was like a few weeks of maybe it's a gluten thing. And then there was a few weeks of maybe it was a dairy thing. And we're trying to figure this out. And then there was all these scans. And then her liver kind of shut down for a little while. Then there was talk of it was like a mass, but they weren't sure what it was. And I don't remember when the somebody finally said "Can't?" They said it, it, it looks like cancer, but we can't quite, it's not appearing like cancer. And there was just a lot of uncertainty. I always thought like it's either black or white. It's like you have cancer or you don't. And there was like this We weren't sure for a long time, and then we ended up going to U of M, uh, where they had some specialists that kind of said, yes, this is what it is, and in fact, we brought Stacy with us because we wanted another set of ears in the room, and she recorded the whole conversation with this doctor, and um, he kind of started at the big picture, and then it kind of focused in on what we really had um, with with pancreatic cancer, and I didn't know a lot about cancer at the time, uh, but I did know pancreatic is a bad one. Like you, that's you know you hear that and you're like ooh, and so as he was focusing in on what was what we were battling, I remember and you try to find some things to laugh at through this whole process. But so the doctor is so so Dana's sitting on like that little table thing that's in a doctor's office kind of thing, and Stacy and Iron chairs, and this doctor's kind of walking us through this process, and I can see where he's kind of going and going and going, and that's not operable. There's not a whole lot we can do. We're going to start treatment, blah 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 blah, and I got. Really lightheaded, and I was like, "Can can you just stop for a minute? I need to lay down." And, and he was like, "Oh, we can we can we can we can stop for a minute." And and so so my wife Dana, she's like, she's on the bed, so she gets off the bed. I get on the bed, and <laughs> lay down, and the guy keeps talking, and I'm just <laughs> it was just a perfect example of how crazy this whole thing is, and just the emotion. A- anyway, so. We have this diagnosis, and that, you talk about the storms of life. Mm -hmm. Um, And when they hit, they really kind of reveal what your foundation really is. Um, You know, if a tornado is coming at your house, that's not the time to get out and start, well, let's start working on this foundation. Let's get some... some..." It reveals uh, really what your foundation is. And through that first part of the diagnosis and everything, it was... um, the verses, like, there's a verse in James that says, consider it pure joy when you face trials. Not if, but when. And then, and then John, it says, in this world, you will face troubles. You will have storms. If you're not in the storm now, you will be. And the storms can take different shape. It might be a bad grade. It might be a broken relationship. It might be your spouse getting cancer. It might be a, a death of a good friend. It might be a death of a parent. I'm sure many of you in here have been touched by cancer in some way, shape, or form, um, so the storms can take different sizes, I think, but they do really reveal what your foundation is. And I think if you think about things that are foundational in your life, your friends, uh, your school, what you're gonna, your job, your family, your friends, all these different things, and those are all good, important things, and those are foundational things for all of us. But if that is what your life is built on, if that is the rock that you're going to lean on, all those things can be taken from you like that. They can all be stripped away. But if you're building your foundation, your faith, your life built on the rock of Jesus Christ, it will hold. It doesn't mean that the storms are easy. It doesn't mean that you can just kind of, sometimes God will remove that. And we were praying for healing this whole time. And I thought when we started this journey, I'm like, of course God's going to heal her. Look at all the glory he's going to get. She's a worship leader. All these people are going to see the story. And I thought, well, if you don't heal her, what, and as I've gone through this, we've seen where watching her and us go through this process of praising him through it all, I'm starting to see how he gets just as much glory as if he would have healed her. And so this whole process this last year has been a crazy thing. And, and, and that storm of getting cancer and fighting cancer and the sickness and the good and bad days throughout the past year, um, that was kind of the storm at that point in time. And then uh, the funeral was actually two weeks ago which now is a whole new storm. And so my faith was definitely shaken with the diagnosis, um, but it has held strong. And then now this new chapter, um, and it is holding only, I mean, barely. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to get through this without blubbering like a baby or not. I don't know, but it's okay. But God has given me perspective and to try to look for the good um, in hard circumstance Um, And there is good. And I can look back now kind of knowing a little bit of how her stories ended and then what he's doing now in a a multitude of people because of her testimony. Um, So I don't know if that answers your question, but it really, if your foundation is in Jesus, you have a chance of weathering the storm. If your foundation is on something else, it can be cracked, it can be broken, and when those storms hit, you might not be able to make it through.
0: That's awesome. Talk to us just a little bit about, maybe even just in the last couple weeks, we were talking earlier today about just the ways that God has met you, and not always the way you want him to, yeah. right? You're looking for him to provide and take care of you and, and bring peace and all these things, but he's, he's providing that foundation, that firm place in some interesting ways. So can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, there's been lots of verses through this whole process that have meant a lot to me, and Philippians 4.13 is one that some of you may know, and um, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that meant something different in the first part of this journey. Like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can sit there at a hospital bed and hold my wife's hand as she's in pain. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then we come out of that phase, and then life would get kind of normal again, sort of. And then it was, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can wash those dishes that are in the sink. I can learn how to do that. I can learn how to do the laundry. I can can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then it's and then she'd be sick again for a period of days, and I can, I can clean up, vomit every day if I need to. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so those verses were just like, I mean, I would repeat those over and over, and I mean, to where I, I, I don't know if I can get through the next five minutes, so I'm just going to keep saying these verses over and over and over. And then recently, as we've kind of come through the last several weeks, Philippians 4.14, which Nobody ever talks about that verse, but it's right after. And it says, but yet I am glad that you shared in my struggle. So I can do all things through Christ, but yet I'm glad that you are sharing in my, in my struggle and in my trial and in my storm. And it's kind of this beautiful picture of how God uses you, how God uses Stacy, how God uses all these different people in our life. So I would be crying out over the last several weeks saying, God, I need you, I need you, I need you, right now. And there would be a knock on the door, and it's somebody with a meal for that night. I'm like, oh, okay, that's nice, thanks very much. God, I need you, I need you right now. And there'd be somebody else that come to the door. Here's a check, we just know you're gonna need money. Okay, great, thanks. God, I need you, I need you. And then there'd be somebody with a gift basket for the kids full of all their favorite candies and all this kind of stuff. And, and I'm, I'm like, God, no, I need you. And he's like, you idiot. This is me. This is me helping you. And it was so, it was like, God is using so many people to be his hands and feet. He wants to use you in those same ways, not maybe necessarily with me, but with the people around you, your friends, whatever it might be, God is using, I don't know what I really expected. Like when I was saying, God, I want you, I think I was envisioning like an angel showing up and being like, give me a big bear hug and be like, hey, it's gonna be okay. (laughs) Look at, this is how this is all gonna work and, and that'd be great, but he is working and is continuing to work through his people. And I hear his voice every day, not audibly, which I hope, Someday I do. But there's a you know, certain song on the radio that just speaks truth into you that day. Yesterday, Ben spoke at our church. God used him in a mighty way that he doesn't even know. Just It was exactly what I needed for that day. God was speaking to me through him. Um, just so many different things. and but the, It's been interesting how that verse, so I can do all things through Christ to give me strength, is super key. But then that next one, but I'm so glad you shared in my struggles. That has meant a lot to me. Um, just kind of seeing God use people in that way, and that's how he works, that's his hand, when the church is being the church, it is an awesome thing, and I don't mean like our physical home church, which they've been great, but, but the body of believers working together to support each other is pretty awesome.
0: So actually, when you say that, it just makes me think that part of building your foundation is building your community of people around you that love Jesus. You guys already know this. You already experienced this in some ways, but I've watched that play out for you and how important that has been, and that's part of the foundation. It's really cool. Last question. Um, throughout this whole experience, Dana really longed to, we used to joke that she was trying to be God's megaphone, like she was trying to shout to the world how good God was, even in this, and she did, you guys, right till the end. But my question for you is sort of in that same kind of line of thinking. Is there anything else that you want to say, or anything else you think she would want us to hear, um, as we kind of finish up?
2: Yeah, I think just kind of looking at this past year and the last few weeks, there's been a, um, I guess, a few things that have that have stuck out. One, we tried to when we got the diagnosis, we kind of picked a word that would mean a lot to us in this past year, and it was um, to be intentional and i've done a better job of that over this past year and i'm really hoping that that continues and because not knowing if we had 3 months or 6 months or towards how many days we had left we really lived this last year she did it much better than me um of being really intentional and so what i mean by that is so when she would sit with stacy she would sit with stacy and be Engaged and listen and try to think. Okay, God, is there anything that you want to speak to Stacy through me? Is there anything that you want to speak to me through Stacy? And just very into the moment. And that, tra- you know, that's into our, you know, putting the kids to bed at night instead of just quick putting them downstairs and shut off the light, and I can go back and watch Sports Center. It's like no, take your time. Go down there. Spend as much time as you can. You don't know how much time you're going to have. So being intentional with relationships, being intentional with your church. Your relationship, just being very present was was really big. So being intentional was one. Um, and then looking for the good. I kind of mentioned this earlier, but through this whole process, we've tried to see God's goodness around us. And we have seen a ton of God's goodness. And I was just talking with Stacy. Just the last Dana led worship on uh, January the 1st. Uh, that was the last time she did. And so those last two weeks um, were... Really hard, but we were able to see God's goodness even in that last couple of weeks, because that last couple of weeks could have been six months. It could have been a really long period of time of, of deep suffering, and it wasn't. It was fast, it was quick. And that was God's goodness. And I couldn't see it then, and I can barely see it now, but I'm looking at different things throughout this past year where I say, wow, God was really good here. God was really good here. And so when you're going through hard times, it's very easy to just focus on all the negative, but there is good. There is, this world is a sinful, broken world, and we don't really deserve a whole lot, but God shines little bits of goodness here and there through relationships, through friends. You can, if you look for it, you can see God's goodness. So being intentional is the one. Um, looking for God's goodness. And then the last thing is a story that many of you probably know in the Bible, the fiery furnace. Shadrach and the boys that were in that. And so... Right before they go into the fiery furnace, this is what they say. And these verses have meant a lot to us. They said, Our God can save us. Our God will save us. But even if he does not, we will worship no other name. And so that has meant a lot to us during this past year because we're saying, We know that God can heal cancer. We've seen it in other people, we know he can. But even if he does not, even if he doesn't remove the circumstance in your life that is just dragging you down, even if you have to just stay in it, and he doesn't remove that, he doesn't heal the cancer, he doesn't heal the relationship, even if he does not, we will praise him through it all. And that those verses meant a lot to us this past year where we we're waiting to see if God was going to heal. Um, so that story of them right before they go in, we know that our God can save us, but even if he does not, we're going to love him anyway. And so whatever junk you're going through now or that you will in the next year or the next five years or whatever it might be, he may not choose to remove the circumstance, but he does promise to be with you through it. So be intentional. Look for the good. And I think that can really help you build that foundation that will last. Thank
0: you. Will you guys help me thank Jimmy for being with me? (laughs) Man, you guys, I have some brave friends. Isn't it cool? So thankful that he could share with us tonight. So here's what we're going to do to end our night together. You heard Dana talk as a worship leader about choosing truth kind of songs. I love that phrase when she says that. So tonight I thought what we would do, as we always do at CPR, is we're going to stand and sing, and we're going to sing truth kind of songs. And my prayer is that you would listen, that you would hear, that God would speak to you in whatever your storm is, whatever the disappointment is, whatever you're facing, and that you would be encouraged and strengthened to stand on the rock. I just want to close with these verses from Isaiah 26 and then uh, I'll pray and we'll sing. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever (laughs) for the Lord the Lord is the rock eternal. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I'm thankful um, for your goodness, even in the hard things. God, I'm thankful for your glory that we see all around us, even when it hurts. And God, I'm thankful for truth. I'm thankful that we can stand on you in the midst of whatever comes. So God, I pray tonight that you would bring healing into this room. God, I pray that your truth would speak over us and fill us and encourage us. God, you know where each of us needs to hear from you tonight, so will you just come, meet with us, draw us near. We love you, Jesus, and pray these things in your name. Amen.